We are back, everybody. Getting the cages back. Our thanks to Emerald Queen Casino. They are back. It's a, it's a good day to talk some MMA. And who better to relaunch this podcast with than the one, the only, Damon Martin of MMAfighting.com. Damon, how are you, man? I am good. How are you? I'm doing good. It's a, it's a, It just feels good to talk MMA with somebody who knows what's going on out there again. So I appreciate you doing this as always. Uh, before we get into anything specific that's happening in terms of uh, cards that are upcoming and feuds between John Jones and Dana White, let me get your take on just the return of MMA and, and the UFC, obviously, in particular. Dana White took a lot of blowback. A lot of people felt like, man, you shouldn't be doing this. You're not You're not handling the testing properly. You're not uh, using the proper precautions, all of these things. He's taken a lot of heat. They had three cards in Jacksonville that went off for the most part uh, without a hitch. Jacare obviously was, was the exception, but that sort of proved the tests are working as they found he and two of his cornermen uh, were, were testing positive for COVID-19. So just... Your your initial response to the push to get cards out there, whether there are fans in the building or not, were you for it? Were you against it? Where were you at now versus where you were? Well, I was for it, you know, especially once they released, you know, how they were going to be doing such extensive testing during fight week and for the corners. And they were, you know, kind of going to extremes to make sure everyone was safe and taken care of. And they've actually even strengthened that, strengthened that. Uh, coming up into the fight card this week and then going into next week on June 6th. So I was all for coming back as long as the proper precautions were taken. And they took a lot of precautions to make sure, you know, nobody was ill, nobody had, you know, COVID-19, you know, because obviously asymptomatic carriers are a big problem, of course. Uh, but they made sure that, you know, everyone was tested thoroughly and, they, you know, before, you know, the fights multiple times. So I was all for the fights coming back. I mean, obviously, I think we had to be, you know, cautious at the beginning when the outbreak first started, and it didn't make a lot of sense to have fights going on when, you know, the outbreak was first happening. But, you know, after a couple of months, it was it was time to kind of get back to business. And the UFC is in a unique position where, even though it is obviously a contact sport, you know, you really can't cut down on the number who can be in contact. I mean, really, you're talking about the two fighters in the cage and the, and the referee, at that moment, uh, and then, you know, people outside the cage can all be spaced out, and you got your production and camera crews, which, once again, can mostly be spaced out. It isn't like a basketball game where you've got, you know, guaranteed 10 guys on the court for two hours and alternates, you know, subbing in and out, or a football game with 22 guys on the field, or hockey, or you know, any of those other contact sports where guys are constantly clashing into each other over a two- or three-hour game, and you're talking about, you know, 20, you know, 20 guys minimum, and then you talk about the entire team, you talk about sometimes you have 40 guys. Uh, that number doesn't happen in UFC or in boxing, for that matter. So I think they were in a unique position to get back to business earlier than anyone else, and I'm glad they did it. And uh, i got to be honest, I'm excited to finally do some fights again. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. And and the one thing that I've I've pointed out as a silver lining to all of this, you know, not having fans in the stands, and th- this is true of – of the NFL and Major League Baseball and any other sport that gets underway without fans in the building. While I want fans there and I want it to return to what it was, this is kind of a unique opportunity for fans of those sports, whether it's football or MMA or any other. You get a chance to hear things and see things in a way you never did before. And, you know, whether whether we're talking football and the collisions that go on out there and the conversations that are happening on the field or in MMA, where you – 
you hear those kicks land differently. You hear those punches land differently. You hear the cornermen. You hear the fighters talking to each other. I mean, those are all things when a building is full and fans are going nuts. You don't catch any of those little subtle nuances that I think, you know, again, for if we're just talking for a short term, I think it's kind of a cool aspect, a cool way to a sport that you that you really love, and you've only had a chance to view it in one way. What do you, what do you think of that? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you know, we got to remember, I mean, we're seeing and hearing things that you've never seen or heard before, like you mentioned. And, uh, you know, you mentioned football. You know, I, I look forward to that just because I'm curious to see some of the things we don't normally hear or see during the game. You know, mixed martial arts, because I've been covering the sport for so long, I've seen, you know, fights in smaller crowds or, or the ultimate fighter where they don't have a crowd. You do hear things a little bit more commonly than those fights. But right. it is a unique experience. And, and obviously, you know, long-term, you know, fans want to come back. But we got to do it safely. I mean, listen, there's risks that can be taken right now, like a sport getting back to business like the UFC, where I mentioned, you know, how minimal they could do a show with people uh, in a production crew. You know, we're talking maybe 150 uh, people in total versus inviting, you know, 20,000 people inside an arena and just inviting an outbreak. Uh, so, you know, we're probably going to be without fans for a while, and, and I'm okay with that. I mean, it does change the atmosphere, and sure, I'm going to miss it when you know Conor McGregor walks out of his next fight. And chances are there's going to be no crowd, and that energy and that electricity that you feel in the arena isn't there. That's not that it's going to be weird. It's going to be odd, but ultimately, you know, we're here to see the games. We're here to see the fights, and and, and you know, ultimately, that's what matters most. And and, and you know, eventually, fans will return, maybe in a reduced capacity. It may be you know, where they have half the audience, where you have to be socially distant from each other, whatever, but. You know, we will eventually move on from this, but I don't think it's the end of the world that we're seeing events without fans right now, especially in fighting where you do kind of get a unique look at the sounds and, and insights of the sport. Hey, let, let's talk about a, a piece you just wrote up at MMAfighting.com, and there's a bit of a feud going on between John Jones and Dana White and – you know, John and, and Francis and Ganu had had gone back and forth on Twitter, and you know, you know, a little smack talk didn't seem friendly for the most part, but you know, really sort of teasing the idea of these two fighting, and John finally stepping up to heavyweight the way everybody anticipated he would, and he was saying, "I'm ready for this fight, make it happen." UFC and Francis is on board, and then then we hear that, according to John, the UFC doesn't want to alter his pay on any level whatsoever. He says they promised in the past that he would get a pay increase uh, should he decide to move up to heavyweight. You've got Dana White on the other side saying he's asked for an absurd amount of money uh, compared to what Deontay Wilder made for his heavyweight fight. And, you know, John saying that's BS. And Dana saying, I've got the text messages. Who do you believe in this whole thing? Well, you know, the thing is, I'm not even really sure it's about who I believe as much as, you know, why why it's a problem to ask for more money. I mean, you know, listen, we got to be honest, UFC fighters are, are, you know, criminally underpaid compared to other sports. When you talk about boxing where Deontay Wilder made $5 million disclosed pay for his fight against Tyson Fury and then $25 million guaranteed, and that's, you know, $5 million is what they disclosed to the Nevada State Athletic Commission or whatever commission is, is holding the event. The $25 million guaranteed is what's already guaranteed from the you know, from the gate and the pay-per-view and all those kind of things. And then they have additional bonuses for pay-per-view sales after that. So they talked about Deontay Wilder making $30 million. Now, I don't know that John Jones actually asked for Deontay Wilder money. I don't know if he asked for $30 million. Uh, I have a hard time believing that he's going to go into a negotiation 
and asked for $30 million, considering that, you know, nobody in the UFC, not even Conor McGregor up front, makes $30 million. I guess anything is possible. So if you're asking me who I believe here, I don't believe John Jones actually asked for $30 million. Did he ask for $5 million, which is what the disclosed pay was for Deontay Wilder in his last fight? Maybe. Uh, that would obviously still be higher than anything we've ever seen in the UFC. I believe Conor McGregor, I believe, made $3 million for his uh, fight with Habib. And, and I, I know he made that again, I think, for the, for the Cerrone fight. And that's, I think, the highest disclosed payday to get that. I think that's the highest disclosed pay. And then, of course, you know, Connor and other guys make a bigger chunk on the back end of pay-per-view sales. But I have a hard time believing John Jones you know, sent a text message to Dana White saying, I need $30 million to step in the cage with Francis Ngannou. But even if he did, let's just say hypothetically he did, uh, what demand is he making that, that isn't you know, uh, somewhat you know, uh, considerable to what other guys are making? I mean, Don, Deontay Wilder has not been as big of a draw in his career as John Jones. He just hasn't. If you look at his pay-per-view numbers and the ratings he's pulled, he hasn't actually pulled the numbers that John Jones has pulled during his career. Uh, so in that way, how has John Jones not worked Deontay Wilder money? That would be my bigger question to Dana White in the UFC. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point. I guess uh, just to just to wrap on Jones, what do what do you think is in front of him next? Is it a rematch with Reyes? Is it Jan Blakovich? Is it uh, a step up to heavyweight? This gets resolved. What do you, what do you think is ultimately the next uh, the next opponent sitting in front of John Jones? I think when the dust settles, it's going to be another defensive light heavyweight title. And as far as who it's going to be. I think it really just depends on timing and interest. I mean, you know, obviously the rematch with Dominic Reyes makes a lot of sense, but, you know, it is an automatic rematch, and, and people don't always get on board for those. So, you know, really it just depends on what the UFC decides to do. I mean, you've got two choices that make sense, and I don't think you can go wrong with either one. I mean, you've got Dominic Reyes, who in my opinion, you know, had a, you, you easily can explore him winning that fight. It was a close fight, really close fight. Uh, I think it was, you know, three rounds to two, no matter how you score it, whether you score three rounds to two for John Jones or three rounds to two for Dominic Reyes. Very close fight. And then you got a guy, Jan Blahovic, who just went out and knocked out Corey Anderson. That's a big knockout of a Luke Bockholm. Uh, you know, he's not he's not as big of a name, and it won't do as much in terms of interest as a rematch with Reyes. So I think that's why you got to kind of lean Reyes, because at the end of the day, that is going to draw out more interest. Identify with Jan Blahovich, but I think either option is okay. But I do believe it will be one of those two for John Jones' next fight. All right, and last one before I let you go. And again, we're speaking with Damon Martin of MMAfighting.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Damon Martin, at Damon Martin for you MMA fans out there. Uh, we brought up Connor. He he seems to be open to fighting everybody if you if you pay attention to him. I mean he's he wants to fight Jorge Masvidal. He wants to fight Gagey. He wants to fight Kamaru Usman. He wants to fight uh, now Anderson Silva. Um, what what's the and I know that Dana has shot down the fight with Usman, said that's not going to happen. What what do you think's next for him, or who do you think is next for him? Well, I think it's going to come down to a couple of options. I think the one at the top of the list is still the Nate Diaz trilogy because it doesn't really affect anything else in the division. I mean, you've got Dan Hooker and Dustin Poirier expected to fight at the end of June. That takes another top-five guy away. Tony Ferguson is going to be out for a little while. I know he seems to heal like Wolverine and comes back quicker you know, from injuries that you don't think people should come back from. But I think after the punishment, he took in the Gaethje fight. He really needs to take some time off, and I think the UFC should force him to take time off. And then 
at that point, you know, with with, with uh, Justin, excuse me, with uh, Khabib fighting Justin Gaethje in September, and that ends up going down in September as we believe it will be. Uh, that doesn't leave a lot of options on the table for Conor McGregor outside of Nate Diaz, and, and I think that really is the fight you end up making. I mean, it's still a massive fight. It doesn't really hurt anything else in the division. You're not taking anything away. You're not saying we're going to give Conor the Habib rematch or we're going to give him Gaethje. We're going to sacrifice that fight for Conor. They're not doing that. Uh, you know, they're not you know putting him in there with a with a potentially compromised Tony Ferguson after the punishment he took in the fight with Gaethje. Uh, they're taking a guy named Diaz who just basically shows up you know, every now and again and wants to fight, uh, and, and that's still a massive, massive fight. And in a time where there's not going to be live gates and, and things like that are going away, there's not going to be ticket sales or fans in attendance, big fights that people will still pay $65 to watch mean a big deal. They're a big deal right now. They mean a great deal. So I think Connor and Nate is the fight to make. I think it's the one that makes the most sense. And if Connor gets through Nate Diaz, which I would predict he would do, then you can move on to say, okay, at that point, maybe you could justify him getting the winner of Gaethje versus Habib, even though, again, hypothetically, he wouldn't really have earned it necessarily based on resume alone. But at that point, it would be harder to take it away from him versus right now saying Connor just sits out and waits for the winner of that fight when it really wouldn't make sense for him to get the winner of that fight based on a win at welterweight over Cowboy Cerrone, who is now, unfortunately for him, on a four-fight losing streak. So you, you put nothing into the Anderson silva Connor catchweight fight at 176 pounds they've been talking about? No, I, I don't at all. I don't think that, you know, I, listen, I know, you know, I know Dana White is all about, you know, making big fights and making great money, but Connor, Connor is already, you know, giving up a lot of size and power, you know, fighting at 170. Uh, I don't think he's going to let Connor go anywhere near a fight at 176 or a catch white against a guy like Anderson Silva, even at Anderson Silva's age. I mean, you know, obviously that's not, uh, you know, the same Anderson Silva that was, you know, arguably one of the greatest fighters of all time a few years ago. But Connor doesn't, Connor really shouldn't be fighting a welterweight if we're being honest. He's not a true welterweight. I think, you know, the, the conversation about him fighting Usman was laughable because Usman would, would dwarf him in that fight. And it is, it is. if you think Habib is a bad stylist you match up for Connor, let, you know, Kamar Usman, a Division Two national champion wrestler uh, with a lot of size and power to go out there and, and manhandle Connor. That is a terrible matchup for him. And yeah, <laughs> but he promised, he promised not to take... He promised not to take him down in the first two rounds, though. <laughs> yeah, it, do, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. I mean, that's. That is, I mean, Usman. Usman literally, if Khabib is, is the worst matchup for Connor at lightweight, Usman is the worst matchup possible for him at welterweight. And I'm a big, big believer in Kamar Usman. But goodness gracious, that's a terrible matchup for him. Not only because Usman is the best welterweight in the sport, but also because he would have such a size and power advantage. So Connor. Please stick at 155, stick at 145, or do you know if you're going to do welterweight, you know do the fight with Diaz and the fight with Cerrone, where they're not really welterweight, they're not legit welterweight guys, uh, and, and then you know wait until you can get the winner of Gaethje and, and Khabib you know later this year. That would be a great way to close out 2020. You let Khabib fight Gaethje and you let Connor fight Nate. And then maybe in December we get Habib versus Connor too, or we get Gaethje versus Connor, which would equally be an exciting fight I'd like to see. 
Damon Martin, it's good to catch up with you again. I'm glad to be back with the podcast, and who better to bring on the first time back into business than Damon Martin of MMAfighting.com. Again, follow him on Twitter, at Damon Martin. We appreciate you as always, my friend. Uh, Stay safe and healthy out there, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Hey, thanks for always having me.